Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. And we get to wrap up Hebrews today. When I was originally planned to leave about, I don't know, a month ago or so, Ryan said, hey, you're going to get to finish Hebrews on your last Sunday. I was like, no. But he was right. He's a prophet. Um, so the delay in our leaving um, is going to allow this. And then next Sunday we'll um, speak of the resurrection and the resurrection we all have in Christ Jesus. Before we go to the word of the Lord, let us go to the Lord of his word. So Father God, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us your spirit so that for those who are in you and have your spirit, these things are alive to us and that you even use your word, um, your gospel and your word's power to save people. So Lord, we pray that you would strengthen those who are born again believers, that you'd make us more like Christ, that you would put to death all that is ungodly in us and bring to life all that is of Christ. And that if there are any in the hearing or those who might hear things that we learn from this as we go forward, but that the preaching of your word would be heard and even producing faith this morning. We pray this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 13, and I'll begin reading in verse 17 as we're focusing on 18 and following. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now... May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You, shall, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. The word of the Lord. And so as a reminder, and he reminds us in this little appendix at, at the end, that um, this is a, a word of exhortation. It's a word of... Um, encouragement is this letter is meant to um, tell them what to do exhort you with the book letter to the Hebrews as the little church that this was originally written to um, is going through persecution and about to deal with more persecution as people were leaving the faith over these hardships they were going back to um, Judaism either even back to um, the synagogues that they had been cast out of because of their recognition of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Son of God and, and as we're reminded just at the very beginning of Hebrews to keep this in mind that um, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 as they're thinking about going back to 
um, the Mosaic Law, thinking about going back to Judaism. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, so we are living in the last days, the times from the um, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ until the last day is the last time, end times, the last days. This is it. So in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So long ago to many times, as you think about going back to Judaism, he did speak. But now he's spoken to us by Jesus Christ. All those promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. What we preach now is Jesus Christ. We now interpret all of the old covenants, all the Old Testament in Jesus Christ. He has spoken. And it is his son whom God the Father has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. And then, as you remember, the writer of Hebrews goes through and says, all of the excellencies of the Old Testament, all of the, the people and the beings are held in highest esteem, Jesus far exceeds every one of them. So if you leave Jesus and keep anything in the Bible, it's worthless. And so we don't abandon Christ. And then here at the end, he tells us in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Well, don't we just, uh, you know, what about Jesus? And so we spoke of that, and it's like leaders in the church are under shepherds who will be accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're all accountable to those to whom we lay hands on to make leaders in the church because um, it's a, it's a, uh, those who teach and those who lead will be held to higher standards. And so we have to be careful of that. But it's the end here. It's interesting. You know, you want to leave everybody with the, you know, he leaves them with the blessing and the grace be with you. But he says, you know, obey your leaders. This is something that he's, he's leading and uh, leaving them with and us with as we need to keep this in mind. But then right on the heels of this and what we talked about last week that all this means and everything, he says, so pray for us. So he, he is acknowledging not just, hey, you need to obey your leaders, but you need to pray for your leaders. That without praying for your leaders, then you're going to have possibly ungodly leadership. It's that the author of Hebrews is asking for the prayers of the people in that church that he's talking to. So he doesn't see himself as um, just somebody that's coming down and laying the hammer down and saying, this is how you have to be and this is what you have to believe. He's saying, please pray for us because for we are sure that we have a clear conscience and a, your conscience. And I wrote down a little quote from A.W. Pink. He calls the conscience that faculty of the soul which enables us to perceive of conduct in reference to right and wrong. That inward principle um, which has been called the moral sense. So you're able to feel things and taste things and see things and hear things. But you're also able to sense whether something is right or wrong. And that is something that God has put into um, creation, into all people who are 
all people are created in likeness and image of God, and this is a part of what it means. You have a conscience. But the Bible also talks about people who have seared their consciences, have made it hard. It's like you're cooking a steak, and you get the outside crunchy and insides tender, but they've seared their conscience. You can't even get to it. So we're told that we need to learn to discern what's right and wrong, learn to practice what's right and wrong, not to sin against our consciences, so that our consciences can be trained to follow and obey what God says to do. So that's an important thing. And he's saying here as his leaders that we're sure we have a clear conscience. He's like, we're leading. We're not stealing from you. We're not robbing from you. We're not doing this for any nefarious purpose. We are just, we're, we're doing our best in the spirit. And we have a clear conscience with this. We're desire to act honorably in all things. And honor is something that we need to um, all keep in mind too. It's a, a, a um, concept that sometimes has been lost in our culture, uh, but we need to make sure that we think of ourselves as being honorable men and women, honorable children, people who um, are worthy of being held in some sort of esteem, at least acting in some way where you believe other people are worth respecting. Uh, just manners are a way of showing other people that you care about them, holding the door for somebody, thank you, please. These things, these niceties are ways that we're able to communicate to other people that they matter to us. And so those things can certainly get out of hand or whatever, but we need to, in our reference for the older people, Chip and Dale, um, the chipmunks? Okay. Anyway, they, they couldn't go through a door. After you, no, after you, after you, after you. So it's it it kind of funny. But to be, to be honorable, it's something that we need to all think about. So he says, we're desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, to do what? To pray for us that I, it's interesting, switches from plural to singular here, but that I may be restored to you the sooner. But in the providence of God, he's going to get there when he's supposed to get there. So why pray if God's in control? And the best answer to that is because God tells us to. And for some way, in some way, God uses our prayers to work out his eternal purposes. If God desires for you to get home today, God is going to make sure you get home. More than likely, he has ordained some means for you to get home. Possibly you have a car. Possibly somebody you know has a car. But you will use that to get home. Was God in control of you getting from here to there? Absolutely. So we, but we tend to think of prayer as sometimes suggesting that, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. Why should I pray? Because prayer is a means of accomplishing things. There's no guarantee you're going to get home in your car. Your car could break down. You could change your mind. Somebody else could change your mind for you. Something can happen. But prayer is the same way. Prayer is a means of accomplishing much in this world. But it is not, if you can just get two or three people to pray the exact same thing, then it'll happen. And uh, you should all know that if you ever played baseball, because that team's praying to win, and this team's praying to win. And um, I often wondered when I was a child, is it the team that has the most faith that's going to win this game? But, you know, I was hoping that would be the case because we sure weren't any good. But it tended to be those who had the most talent and had practiced the hardest. So there's something to be said for that. So as you're praying to win the game, pray that God would enable you to be properly equipped to win these games. Or whatever it is that you desire that God would give you this. And this is something that we need to be aware of because the author the author of this letter is saying 
Prayer is effective, and we, I need for you to pray. You not only need to obey and listen to leaders, but you need to be praying for them. So if everybody in the church prayed like you do for your leaders, and your prayers were responsible for the outcome of how leaders actually behave, what do you think that would look like? You know, are you actively praying for your leaders, you know, as a one-off kind of quick thing, or do you fervently pray for that because you recognize the need for that? And then you might ask yourself, you know, start writing down the things you do ask for in prayer. What, what does it tend to be? Have you noticed what they are? And we have to, to be careful of these things. And then um, there's a humbling thing that the leaders would ask for prayers and, and that we would recognize our need for prayer and seeing that I might be restored to you sooner if you'd pray more is the efficacy of prayer. It's effective. It's not just a nice sentiment, something you do just to kind of sound good or feel good, but it's the power of prayer. And our effectiveness as a church will be directly affect, directly um, compared it's a result of the power of prayer of the church and the power of your prayers directly affected by um, how much you're in the word of God. So are you, how do you know how to pray? Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Spirit prays for us with groanings too deep for words. That's awesome. But you should be in the word, praying the word of God back to him. And as you have great trials, it'll drive you into the word and then it fixes your faith. And then you're able to pray differently. And we learn to pray differently as we go through trials. And it reminded me of the, the cartoon, um, Dr. Seuss, um, Horton Hears a Who. And it's just like, if you remember, Horton Hears a Who. Um, they're on a little dust speck, and the, those monkeys, what were those things called? They're trying to boil that dust speck, boil that dust speck. And it's like, man, we better, you got to yell loud, because these people don't know. Horton can hear them. You got that big old ear. I guess that makes you hear better. And so he can hear them for whatever reason, and all these Who's are living in Whoville, I guess it is. And they're on this little dust speck, and these things are trying to pull it down because they're just saying Horton's crazy and he's like and that guy in Whoville is trying to get everybody to everybody to yell everybody to yell and they find that one last little who person and I can't remember I didn't read the book before I started talking about this but the last little fellow is like there's one somebody that's not doing it and he's like you gotta yell so he yells and then he says we're here we're here we're here everybody can hear it and like oh my goodness I mean first there's a tremendous lesson to be learned having to do with the unborn just because you can't necessarily hear them we can now see and hear so it is more shame on us to not recognize what's truly happening there but also the power of one person working in concert with other people to actually be heard but a lesson that we need to understand is God hears every single individual prayer from every single individual believer that there is every single one of them but or and we all need to be praying because dr kelly said this one time it's always kind of struck me as true because he talks about um, Jesus having, like he getting the last, one of the last things that happen in judgment in the last days is he gives each believer a stone or something on it is written a name which only you know. Like there's something about you that is unique. And he says there is something, Dr. Kelly says this, and I, I like just thinking about this and it, it, it sounds right, that there is something about you, about each believer that images Jesus Christ in just a little bit different way than anybody else in the world. 
that's ever been. So that when he sees you, he sees something about you that uniquely images Christ that nobody, in a way that nobody else does. It's just, if there's something about us individually that Jesus likes, it has to be that. And so when he hears my prayer, and this is something you know if you ever begin to pray in a group, we're all praying for the same thing, but each person prays a little bit different way. It's like each person has been given talents and gifts, and we're all supposed to work together, and we're all supposed to serve together, and so that you need the body working properly, and if any part is not working properly, then it, it doesn't function properly. But the body grows itself up as we're all working together. So that means we all need to be praying, not always together out loud, but you can do that too, but everybody needs to be praying for all things at all times with thanksgiving for the leaders in the church in this particular case he's talking about especially and if somebody's not praying then we're missing out on some blessing possibly because one person's not praying but he hears each prayer and he's given all of our church all these different prayers and so we all need to be praying and why would we not and then a lot of times it's James tells us we, we waste our prayers on sinful desires, and we have to be very careful with doing that. And then we have to also ask ourselves, you know, why is it so hard to get Christians to pray? It's not always. Some Christians pray without ceasing, and it's an amazing thing. Prayer warriors, we call them, as if it's some special group. We should all be prayer warriors. Um, if we're not prayer warriors, then we're just, are we even warriors? We're just I don't know. We're, we're, we're handicapping ourselves. Um, I know I left my cell phone home when we went to South Carolina yesterday, and it was like, so, and Kyle got out of the car and went into the gas station, and I'm sitting in the car like, what do people do when they sit in a car and say, oh, they played the radio. He took the key with him. What do you do? <laughs> it's like, you know, so as a believer without prayer, it should be like that. Like what, you know, but we're able to fill our time with our toys and things so that we're able to distract ourselves from prayer. And we, we should not, should not do that sort of thing. And so as Christians, it shouldn't be hard to get people to pray. I understand praying out loud, praying in front of people is different, but just praying should be just what happens in a believer's life. And so you have to really ask yourself, all right, so how are you praying? How are we praying? And then as he turns into this blessing, this benediction, which is just a Latin word that means benediction. It's the same as eulogy. It means the same thing. Benediction, eulogy means the same thing, but we usually do a benediction over people who are alive and we do a eulogy over people who have died. So, but it both means good word, good speech. Um, but it's a prayer that's now prayed over the church. So he moves from saying pray for us to now let me pray for you. So if you're praying for your leaders, then this prayer is what we should be praying for them to be able to do. What should we be praying for? That whatever this blessing that the Holy Spirit has prayed through this person, the author of this scripture, over the church, including our church, this is the things. Whatever this blessing is, that's what we should be praying for. God's praying this for us. So if you ask for it, it's a good prayer. But our problem can be that we don't really pray for the, the right things. So let's just think about this. When there's a um, tradition in the church that when a blessing is pronounced, uh, the pastor usually you know, raises hands. And then sometimes what people will do is they'll hold their hands like this. 
and it's not anything you don't have to, but it's a thing that's uh, communicating to yourself physically. You're saying, I'm receiving this blessing. Some people bow their heads and, as if, you know, the hands are being placed on top of the head and you're receiving the blessing. But it's a little different than a prayer in that in a, when I pray, somebody prays up here, we should all be praying together. But the blessing is a prayer that you are to receive this blessing that's being um, given to us. It's something that you're to receive. And that's why the hands are like this or the head is bowed. Um, you can also treat it as a prayer that you're praying for yourself too. But it's a blessing being pronounced as the hands are like this. And so what I was thinking is, you know, your hands are like this. And what you're doing is you're saying, give me, give me. And we go to Haiti and, you know, we're leaving soon. So it's like <clears throat> you, you take candy and all the children and most of the adults, but particularly the children, it's just like you're at the beach and you throw bread up and birds come down. These kids are like, ah! you know, so you're kind of like, you have to be careful how you do that because everybody's, you know, you know, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And um, that's the way that Christians are with God. You have to be, you know, so you're doing this. I want this. I want this. That's good. You know, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. But as you're asking for that, as you're receiving this, so when you're praying, what are you asking for? Are you asking for, and is this what you expect? So as you're receiving a blessing, how does that look to, in your mind? What's blessing mean? And that's what we're going to kind of see in these final minutes here. Is like, so you're praying for something. You're getting it. Are you praying for that blessing that God desires to give? Or are we pray, or do we even pray? I mean, we're ready with the hands out. And even our prayers like, hey, my hands are out. But are the prayers about, you know, God, I need you. I want you. Help me to want you more. Help me to, to renounce material things. Help me to seek spiritual things. Help me to take my hands off of the material stuff. Help me to not be so tied to this world. So when the world drags me down, it can't because I'm not tied to it. That it's you that I long for. As a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. My soul is praying now if you don't have food to eat and you don't have clothes to wear and you don't have shelter to provide for yourself or your family you pray for that and then somebody comes along and gives you that and then who do you think and who do you worship and whoever that is you had to be careful because Jesus did this in John chapter 6 he feeds all the people and then immediately he starts some hard teaching and they leave him because all they want is to be fed this bread. And don't forget that back then it wasn't like us. I mean, we go somewhere and somebody feeds us. It's like, that's what people do. <laughs> you kind of get mad when somebody doesn't. I'm not going to start worshiping somebody because they're feeding me. Um, but in that day it was, it was like you, it, food took work and it was not as easy to come by. And all of a sudden here's somebody providing. Jesus is providing. And so these people are receiving. And when they come to him, they're like, you are the man. We will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, you're longing for the bread that came down. They get it. It's the manna from God. But they want the manna and not the hard stuff. You know, no one can follow me unless the father first calls them. And they, they leave him. And he look, has to look at his disciples. He says, are you guys going to leave me too? And he says, who else has the words of life? That's what they wanted, the words of life. Eh? The food, you needed it. So when we get to Haiti, it's one thing. It's like you, you can't help but to provide stuff that people need. It's difficult for them is going to be 
not just desiring the physical things, but actually desiring the, the spiritual things. You see the problem? You're providing for their physical good, and how do you say that? But what you really need is the spiritual good. And if you, if you want to see it, look at us. This is what happens. We got it all. Somebody provided all this. Our ancestors did a great job. We've worked hard. We've done great. Nothing wrong with spiritual blessing until it becomes what I'm, it's all I need now. So what do we pray for? More spirit, more physical blessing, more material blessings. I got to have more. My house needs to be, we're not praying that the water stops flowing from our house. Some of us may be, but we're, you know, it can be a little bigger. Can I have a little more extra of this? Can I have more of that? Can I do this? I need, that's why I used to tell my wife, I and mean, I told my parents before that too, it's like, you know, if there's something I wanted, I quickly turned it more into, I need this. I want that car. Well, I need that car. Why do you need that car? I remember going around when I was just about to graduate school, and it's like, well, that's an engineer's car. And we'd say, look at that house. That's an engineer's house. You know, it was like, because you're supposed to make money as an engineer. So I'm going to buy that house. Let me get that car. And it was like, I need it. You didn't need that. And so it is hard for us to differentiate between the things we need and the things we want and the things that we truly need. And then we look at what he says here. Now may the God of peace. That's what you need. <laughs> you need peace. How do you get peace? God of peace. So look at Philippians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4. So it's just to the left a little bit. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All those are together. G-E-P-C. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's saying, you guys, you know, I want you to be a good church, do the right thing. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now you're like, well, I can't rejoice. They have problems. The world's going down. Da, 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 politics, virus, da, 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 life, hardships, health. Rejoice. When? Well, when all that stuff's not going to say, always rejoice. You didn't mean that. Well, again, I say rejoice. Rejoice how? In the Lord. That means the spiritual aspects. You're going to see this stuff through the right lens. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. That means that you're able to listen to reason. You're able to be logical. You're able to not to just freak out over every little thing. Be, be calm-spirited. And Because why? Because the Lord is at hand. He's near. Eknus. He's near. But where is the Lord? Where is he in the midst of all this? He's right there. He's near. So don't be anxious about anything i can't help it i'm sorry for all the people who still who struggle with anxiety and for the record it is 99.999 plus people in this country who struggle with anxiety on some level or not some people have crippling anxiety and when they hear this verse they get angry at the pastor because you're acting like it's no big deal i ain't saying it's no big deal i'm just saying he's saying this is the Re rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in by prayer and supplication, it's just two types of prayer. He's just saying by prayer and prayer, pray. And how do you do it? With thanksgiving. Then you let your requests, whatever they are, you can have requests, let them be made known to God. And then the peace of God 
which surpasses all understanding. Why are you so peaceful? I, I have no reason for it. I mean, you've got, why, you know, you see somebody who's going through a lot and yet they're at peace. How can you be at peace? It surpasses all understanding. So this is what we want. We want this peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And what will it do? It will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a faith thing. This is about clinging to Christ. This is about pouring yourself into Christ. This is about recognizing the power of God in Christ in our lives, in our hearts, in the sovereignty of everything that happens in our lives that we are to pray at all times and rejoice at all times because he's near and not to be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let our requests be made known to God and then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and then he goes in verse 9 what we have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and then the God of peace will be with you. So, and that's, in Greek, it can be turned, anyway, it's, just, it's a good translation the way it is. The peace of God and the God of peace. And then we come here in Hebrews 13, 20, may the God of peace, the God of peace. So we want the peace of God. Well, guess what that is? It's God. It's not your house. It's not your checkbook. It's not your relationships. It's not your family. It's not any of the good things that God has put in your life or things that aren't going right in your life. And if he just fixed them, you'd have peace. No, God is that peace. And if you're going to have that and you're going to have that peace, it will surpass understanding. And that means, <laughs> I mean, I can understand somebody's at peace. Everything's going great. And they're just kicked back on the cruise ship, you know? But they don't have God. It's a false, temporary peace. And so we have to have God. And the blessing for the church that we're to receive, to pray for, is that the God of peace. And look what he did. He brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. He brought him from the dead. This is the power of God. And the same power that is, was at work to raise Jesus from the dead is at work in you, in the believers. That's resurrection power in your life. That's power to, if you can raise somebody from the dead, you can do anything. God is able to do anything in your life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean you're all these bad things. We're living in a broken, cursed world. The fact that anything goes right should be more amazing to us than being surprised when things don't go right. But the peace, it kind of goes through all of that. You know, you picture Jesus on the boat during the storm. The disciples are freaking out because they're going to drown. I mean, it was a very horrible, terrible, scary thing. And they finally wake up Jesus. And he stands up and says to the storm, and he could have said to them, but he says to the storm to show that he has power over creation, peace be still, bang, everything just goes still. And then now they're really afraid because of the power of Jesus Christ. And that's the power that Jesus has. If Jesus has not stilled the storms in your life, it's because he's working on your stilling the storm that is your life. And that we need to cling to him and call to him so that what we truly desire and pant for is God himself because he is our peace. And he is the one that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. 
the great shepherd of the sheep. We are sheep. Sheep will perish quickly without a shepherd. They are attacked easily by predators. They wander off. Sheep are apparently, from what I've read, not the most intelligent animals there are. So when we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we should, we need to recognize if we had not a shepherd, we would leave and run and, and abandon him. And then he appoints leaders as under shepherds to aid with this. And you need to be praying for your leaders. So the great shepherd will shepherd us sheep. Without prayer, we're just, we're the, we're the one that strays in the 99, every one of us in that case. And how does he do this? The God who he brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of sheep. How did he bring Jesus alive again? By the blood of the eternal covenant. And it can also, because it's a transitional verse, he's also saying, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with every good. So the eternal covenant. The eternal covenant means a covenant that will continue for, for all times. The blood of Christ will for always and ever be that promise from God, which will keep us always in his presence. The promise of God through the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. So this was within the, the, um, the economy of God, God planning within himself, um, all of creation, knowing that the way he's going to create a, a, a people for himself um, in all the ways that he's desired to do it, who are in, indwelt by his Holy Spirit, who recognize and understand what it means to be saved, to be forgiven, to, to have all of these things, that this was the plan from the beginning. God did not create, put in the garden, the two trees in the midst of the garden, step back, see what's going to happen. And man, they blew it. Now what are we going to do? Oh my goodness. And that's the way we see it, I think. It's like, well, plan B. What's that? Yeah, I'm going to have to go save them. No. <laughs> way before. God, nothing, God knows everything. This was always the plan. Always the plan. That God would have a people for himself who would be indwelt and that the blood of the eternal covenant, a covenant blood you, you cut a covenant said it over and over again the way they used to do covenants cut an animal in half whoever violates this covenant your blood's going to be spilled so in the new covenant blood's already been spilled by god and man in jesus christ so that both sides of the covenant fulfilled in god so that for those who are in Christ, when we take the body and we take the blood, we recognize the fact that he has given us everything we need for righteousness. He has saved us. He has provided for us. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is the God of peace. And in this great prayer in Hebrews for the church is that that blood, that that God, that that shepherd would equip y'all with everything good so we're praying I want the good stuff equip me with the good stuff so we used to take taekwondo karate martial arts stuff and in the the class I went in the early 80s it was old school which meant you just beat the mess out of each other <laughs> We're going we're gonna to treat you so badly in class that no matter what happens to you out there, it won't be as bad as what we do to you. And I'm like, how much do I pay you for that, sir? So, I mean, it's 
kind of what it was. And so we used to go and we you you do you know sparring, so you're kicking at each other and punching. The rules in Taekwondo is you cannot punch to the face, and that's a good rule. However, you can kick to the face, and that sounds like maybe a good rule, but that's all you ever practice doing is kicking people to the face. So there's these, you can kick to the head, can't punch to the head, you can punch to the body, nothing below the belt, and you can't grab anybody. All right, so. We had pads on our arms, forearms, so you could block without getting all bruised up. You had pads on your shins and instep to keep from getting bruised up. But man, we they pounding away at each other. And so we went to a tournament one time and um, this was one of the new tournaments. And all of a sudden they had these new things called headgear and chest pads. And you cannot compete without headgear and chest pads. And we're like, we don't have headgear and chest pads. Oh, you can use ours. Well, thank you. So they put headgear on us, and we put chest pads on, and we're like, what is this? Kick me. Boom. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't feel anything. And we were going, we won everything at that tournament because we just scared everybody because we were kicking each other so hard because we'd never had pads on before. And they were like, those people scare me. It's like, that's all right. Boom, boom, boom. Because we had, finally, we were equipped. And what he says here is the prayer for God is that we would be equipped with the proper, you know, we know, spiritual armor and all this stuff. But here he's talking about not just spiritual armor. He's saying that you could be equipped for a purpose. And that our equipment would be that we may do his will. We need to be equipped with every good thing so that we can do his will. So if we just say, hey, bless me with every good thing. So if I have a nice enough house, if I, if I have a nice enough car, if I, have enough, if I have enough money, I'll be able to do your will. If I just have this, if I just have that, I've heard people say that, you know, I want to, I want to build my life up in this way and make a whole bunch of money. And then when I come to Christ, I'll be able to serve him with all that I have. It's like, eh, you need to just do what he says do. He doesn't need your money. And so if we've got our hands out. We need to be, give me the stuff I need to be able to do your will. So what's our prayer supposed to be? Give me the stuff I need to be able to do your will. Help me to do your will. I want to do your will in this. I have this problem. I have this friend. I have this question. I have this journey. I have this issue. Help me to do your will in this. Help me to pray the right way. Help me to think the right, help me to do the right thing. Help me to do, pray, think, feel what you want me to feel. And then he says, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you that. Hold your hands out for it. Because I'm going, that the, this God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead through the blood of the eternal coming will equip you with every good that you may do his will. And that that blood, that covenant would be, and these things would be working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. Now we can think, all right, I'm covered by the blood of Christ. I'm saved I'm in Christ. I'm pleasing to God in that. And it's true. God is pleased with you, believer. But you see, all throughout Scripture, you're given the Holy Spirit. So now we are to do the things that are outwardly pleasing to him, working out an outworking of our salvation. 
with fear and trembling, that we might do the works of God, that we might do these things. And we have to be equipped for that, because if we try to do that in and of ourselves, you see what happened in the old covenant under the Mosaic covenant in which Jesus was born. Those who tried to please God or man or whatever by doing the works of the law without faith, it led them to murdering the one in whom their faith was supposed to be placed. So that outward observances of rules is, is, is no good. And Paul's like, I consider all this stuff dung for the surpassing uh, riches of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So this is what we're supposed to be trying to, that he would equip us to do this. Give us more faith. What do you need? I mean, what do you need to be able to do the will of God? And so that's what we have to think about you know what is the will of God and what do I need I need more faith I need you know what do I need more of I need my heart changed so I desire the things of God more and that this would be done through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever amen he says soli deo gloria to God alone be the glory our desire should be to glorify God and enjoy him forever that we are to have all of the things that we do that would be glorifying to God. The way I talk to people, the way I listen to people, the way I give to people, the way I take from people, the way I receive from people, the way I live my life, the job I want, the way I deal with my children, the way I talk to neighbors, the things I paste online, the things I, I read, consume, the, everything in our lives might be to the glory of God. And the equipping that we will receive is always and only through Jesus Christ. Always and only through Jesus Christ. And he's given us his spirit, if you're a believer. So you go to his word, you pray his word, you go to church, you listen to other believers, you participate in the sacraments. He's given us baptism. He's given us the Lord's Supper. He says, drink deeply. Love one another. Think of others as more important than yourselves. Love your neighbors yourself. Even love your enemies. And how do you love your enemies? What am I supposed to do? The word of God will equip you for every good thing in order that we might do the will of God. He's talking to this whole letter of Hebrews to this church, and he's telling them, I need you to see this, I need you to think this, I need you to do this, and then at the very end he says, now here's the thing. I am praying for you, because pray for us, and I am praying for you, that the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, will equip you with everything good that you may do his will. And there's persecution therein, and there's persecution coming. But the prayer and the blessing is that this God would equip y'all with every good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. And we always remember, to Jesus Christ alone, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he's got his little final greeting. And you just see he's caring for the church. He says, and by the way, guys, personal note, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy, he's been released, and, and I'm going to come see you with him if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints and those who come from Italy. These Italians are with him. They send you greetings. Grace be with you all. And that's how he ends it. Grace be with you all. So let's pray. God, you, you have blessed your church by calling us 
and giving us faith in Jesus Christ, to whom alone be the glory forever and ever. Help us to seek you, to seek what is good, that when we have our hands raised, our heads bowed to ask you for things, that we would ask that you would equip us with every good thing that we might do your will. Help us to desire that above all things. The flesh is strong and the spirit is willing. Increase our faith so that we might walk in the spirit and that when the flesh is gone and we're glorified, we'll be able to see that you are truly at work in us. And so we see the things that you did in us in spite of ourselves, we're able to, to worship you and throw our crowns at your feet. For to you alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.